Welcome back to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu Campaign Descent into Darkness Season 2, where the Earth is hollow and serpent folk plot our demise. My name's Travis, I'll be your keeper today, and let's get an introduction from our investigators. Hi, I'm Chris, I'm playing Johan Muller, or the husk of Johan, and uh, we'll see if I can make it out of this room. <laughs> I'm Brandon, I'm playing Dr. Wallace Andrews, and I'm currently looking down into an abyss at a ghostly apparition of a building, and the abyss stares back at me. Uh-oh. I'm Justin. I'm playing Lance Monroe, who's slightly crazier after some of his recent exploits, and he's also in a dream state, staring down at a giant void-like cavern with a house in the middle of it. I'm John playing James Jimmy Whitmire, who is also uh, a husk of Johann Mueller. Mm. <laughs> Why well, you husking really, like I'm I do? In the dream state. <laughs> All right. So our scene opens in a nondescript room with the disheveled form of Johann Mueller uh, coming to. Or at least coming to your senses. You weren't laying down sleeping or anything like that. You were crouched there. And in this delusional state you are in, you see your friend, Mr. Kimball, along with some of his ghoulish brothers sort of lurking at the limits of this room and this edge of the light that shines forth from a crystalline structure in the ceiling. And uh, they're not approaching you. They're just kind of in the shadows looking at you. Now, the last time we had left off, you had summoned the Dark Hunter Mm -hmm. and commanded it to go on a killing spree. Yeah, which I hear it failed horribly. (laughs) Well, it's not done I would not say failed horribly. Yeah. But I'm sitting at the table with apparently Lance Monroe (laughs) and Dr. Andrews, so... (laughs) Yeah, it it sucked up a lot of our resources to stay alive. Failed horribly. (laughs) Um... Where was I going? Oh, right. Uh, You had mentioned that you wanted to use Meriwether's lifeline to pull yourself out of your delusional state. Yeah. Because if you stay in it right now, you have to make the sand loss to see the ghouls again. Hmm. But you can make any choice you want to. So what you're hinting is we can get the ghoul sand loss out of the way and then (laughs) Meriline it. Or Meriwether lifeline it. (laughs) Well... They may not actually be there. They could just be a delusion. But let me give you a few more details about the room. You have in your hand, your hands are stained with ink. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have some pen. You think it was yours, something you carried around. And you see symbols, every manner of protective symbol you could think of from, (laughs) right, like etched on your skin. 
and uh, it, it, mm, go ahead. Is the pen covered in blood? <laughs> Did I try to trepan my uh, myself with it at some point? Yes, it is bloody. Thank you. It is. <laughs> of course, you can't see if you are successful in that regard, but maybe because you can see Doctor or Mister Kimball and his ghoulish brothers, your third eye has been opened. Mm. But yes, anyhow, that's where you are. They're lurking in the background. You still have this vague sense of everybody being against you, everybody out to get you. That's why you have the protective symbols. Mm-hmm. Uh, you smashed up something into a powder, and you sit in the middle of a circle of Solomon, by which Solomon could command demons, mm. and you're waiting for something to come and get you. You have a shred of humanity left. It expresses itself in some weak feeling, uh, and when you examine this feeling within yourself it's like looking at a photo you don't remember taking so you're trying to construct the circumstances i can see that that's me but i have no idea how i got there and who those people i am with are and after a moment you recognize this is a weak fluttering of guilt maybe Hmm. probing at your psyche but anyhow i will open it up to you ah hell kimball you have brought friends (laughs) i see i see Yes, Mr. Mueller, it's dangerous for you to acknowledge me, so please give me a sanity roll. <laughs> That's where well, you are wrong, Herr Kimball. I am so close to enlightenment. Uh, sand, 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 sand. Where the hell is it? There it is. All right. Uh, you've lost sanity to ghouls before. Mm-hmm. Do we have a count somewhere? I don't think I kept it. Uh, I lost it, uh, well, twice. For sure. I will see if I made a note on your yeah, character. Because the first time would have been in the graveyard, and the second time would have been when he appeared in my room and sent me on my... Uh, what did I do on that one? I think that's where I ended up in the uh, sane asylum yeah. in my mind. Okay, so it looks like you lost two points for that one out of a max four. So roll a d4. All right, guys. Me. The dice was with me when I last was here. <laughs> I need to lose... Four points to drop below my Cthulhu mythos, I believe. At which point, everything will become known to me. I, <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> 1d4. Bam. Ah. Oh. Yes, so with a point of sanity loss, you, of course, go right back into a temporary bout of madness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, since you're on your own, these are the summary ones. They take you dark again for a number of hours. Um... Did you have some direction for Mr. Mueller, like what he might do when he goes insane? Uh, I think uh, for the most part, like just play to his, uh, like when he's sane, he's a coward and a liar. Mm -hmm. When he's insane, he's fairly brash, power hungry and straightforward. So, okay. And you added to it that he's highly paranoid right now. So he would also be that. Act in that way. Okay. So. You, as you're plunged back into uh, a landscape of ineffable shadows, you do have some visions of people. You're not sure who who they were moving you in your delirious state. Uh, Some journey through a constricted place and then where you were brought to this room. And you remember being afraid of those people. And that's why you had begun drawing the symbols. And it seems like these indistinct shadows start to form into these people with their broad-brimmed hats again, but we will fade to black on you for a moment. 
and return to the subterranean ridge where you see a path leading down to the floor of a great hollow in the earth, in the center of which is manifested a ghostly version of the barn. And intermittently, the three of you, Dr. Andrews, Mr. Monroe, and Mr. Whitmire, see those irregular patterns of light that come from five different spokes out on different ridges across this valley into the ghostly version of the barn. And you can see that that path makes its way through what looks like a complex forest of stalagmites. What would you like to do? Is there like kind of a clear path around the outside of this chamber? Yeah, you could like circle the- around the ridge. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd like to explore just a little bit in each direction and see if we can get a see if there are any other entrances or exits to this chamber. Okay. All right. As you so Monroe takes off in a direction around this ridge. Do the two of you choose to follow him? Uh, yeah, I'll go with him. Yeah. Uh, give me a spot hidden roll. Almost a hard. Okay, Monroe and Whitmire had a regular success. And there are certain points where this ridge draws closer to this forest of stalagmites. And the two of you realize that you're not looking at natural stalactites. You're looking at, well, it looks like nothing more than a cityscape, but in some smaller scale. Okay. And I think... So it almost looks like there are avenues or roads right, right. between them. Yeah. At At your original point, they were too shadowy to make out such details, but... Since you guys are both Boston natives, you realize that you are looking at some scale model of Boston here. Is there anything recognizable? Yeah. Yeah, that's what clues you onto it. You see streets that you've been down, uh, structures that you've been inside. They're all uh, monocolor, so that that detail is missing. And it still evokes some natural process. You're not sure how. It doesn't, doesn't seem to be chiseled exactly like the pieces are all one in a way what do you think they're mapping this for well um so as we go around do we continue to see those pulses yeah come through yeah you're nearing one of the other spokes that the this light comes out of the way that they're coming in and crossing this map of boston basically do they line up with like where we know where I know that there are ley lines and, and yeah. things like that. What one of you thing or one of the things you noticed was that relatively bare space where the Boston Commons was or is, and so you see it run along the path that a few days past you and Mister Mueller had walked along. Okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll mention that uh, I believe that this is a scale model of Boston that they are using as kind of a conduit for. Uh, these ley lines in focusing the energy here as well as in Boston. So did these pulses, uh, like where did they end? Did they just like taper off or? Um, they they all terminate at the barn. Okay. So obviously it seems like they're drawing power to that. Maybe we should explore that in the waking world. Yeah, I agree. I think we uh, in the next opportunity. Had, um Another thing I'd, I'd like to do is try and note any ley lines that I, I don't know about in Boston. Okay. So right. see if there are any other 
points of power? Like, do the pulses come from a point of power or do they extend off the map and come in? You don't see where they originate from. Okay. Because they come out from beyond the cavern. Okay. So, uh, like, they don't just pop up in, like, that section where they're Boston Commons where we know that... Uh, right. Like, they run along it as though okay. it's, you know, some conduit. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you would have to continue to make a circle around the ridge since we put you where you're looking at the south side of Boston, this model of Boston. Uh, you'd have to continue this. It is to, It is a smaller scale, but that still makes it, you know, you're taking yeah. multiple square miles and uh, just doing it at a smaller scale, still quite a large structure. Um, and you're trying to make note of those when you each hear the rapping of what sounds like a staff on a rock. And that draws your attention to a figure who's standing up on an outcropping. He's clothed in white, a white and gold robe. He's tall and slender with scaled skin. Upon a long neck is an ophidian head with inscrutable eyes and a lipless mouth. A forked tongue darts out and tests the air. The creature is regal and priestly. With your archaeological training, your familiarity with the Egyptian myths and stuff, it's no wonder the pharaohs wore the uraeus on their headdress, that snake that was the symbol of their power over their domain. And a question forms in your mind, did the ancient Egyptians have some contact with the serpent folk? And an answer comes shortly after. It's entirely possible. But anyhow, he's wrapped the uh, the stick on it, and he's just looking at you guys. But that's worth a sanity roll. I'm only as sane as, as Jimmy now. <laughs> you guys disappoint me. Yes, yeah, so you hear in English... And without the lisp that you associate with Mr. Blackman, this figure says, Who enters the dream of Sathagua? One who seeks knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to step behind. And I'm going to point to Lance. (laughs) (laughs) We just carry his bags. Uh, um, Yeah, I'll, I'll... Try and do my normal gregariousness. Um, uh, Lance Monroe, we only came out of curiosity and uh, see that this place is one that has many, many mysteries to be solved. And so we we took it upon ourselves to take a look. And you might be? You may call me Rasa. And there is a extra sibilance on the S's in his name. And it, he pauses on him for a little bit. Uh, so let's see. I have to. So, did you actually say that, Whitmire? Yeah. Okay. I just didn't point to uh, Lance. <laughs> Lance. Okay. Well, this is a dangerous place for your kind to seek knowledge. Perhaps you but should go back. Made to be dangerous, but no risk, no reward. Very well said. And what about your third companion? Uh, I'm Wallace Andrews, and I don't know how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he just showed up. <laughs> I was just sudden. trying to sleep. Perhaps Sathagua has called you to his domain. I don't know who that is. You will, soon. Have you guys come to beseech 
that mighty old one. I can show you the way if you are lost. Uh, I know the way. As I've come to seek knowledge from your kind, though. Do you have a specific question for me? Is it, who is your well, daddy and what does he do? <laughs> no, it's just plain. Well, first, what um, is this chamber? Yeah. Uh, obviously, it is a, a source of power and, and draws power to it, but what is its purpose? Why Why does this appear as if it's a, a map of Boston? And why is only one location truly lit up as it is? This is the dream construction of mighty Sathagua. He dreams eternal and builds dimensions beyond our understanding. But why Boston? <laughs> well, we have learned that his eternal fantasies are mutable by careful suggestion, and we have interests in Boston. As I'm sure you well know if you are here, Yes. it is said I, that he came, or sorry, go ahead. As I was going to just say that I, I came seeking uh, knowledge and power over the dream, this dreamland, uh, just like uh, Zagua, as I want to control it. You want to control the might of Zagua? No, an incredulous the, the dreamland. Oh, yes, I see. But this is his dream, dream construction, and your control would be minute at best. It's a dangerous thing to do. Even we don't understand his might or his dreaming. It is said he came from the star Arcturus long ago and dwelt upon Mount Vormithadrith in ancient Hyperborea. He was here before any of us were. Are you saying that you have no control over anywhere in Dreamland? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we've learned some measure of ability to manipulate Sathagua in his sleep for our own purposes. When's he going to wake up? Only the stars know. Have you tried to wake him up? <laughs> we have all gone before time. Sathagua to receive his blessing. He never wakes, although he does eat on occasion. Well, should we go get his blessing? Uh, last time he tried to eat us. Yeah. <laughs> need to get some of those uh what were they the boys the the gang uh, the, oh yeah the kids the great knights the, the great yeah knights. <laughs> you need to get a couple of them no i'm saving them Although, for my own rituals maybe we'll <laughs> have some measure of protection if you feel that we can trust this lizard well i'm going to ask the wizard or the priest or whatever are you here in the flesh or are you projecting as we are it is my watch over the dream after a long rest to keep out interlopers well i believe we those of us here have uh, made an agreement with uh, those of yours that are working in boston that we won't interfere but we still seek understanding well then follow me okay <laughs> so he walks uh down into this forest uh, or this mini model of Boston. And as he's going, he wraps his staff on the ground and uh, a vivid image seems to spring from the rocks. It's a park with many paths and strange plants that evoke the warm climate of the Com Comanchean era, 
which is the Jurassic era, right? It was an antiquated term that Lovecraft used. But anyhow, you see in this park a crocodile slipping into a pool. Adolescent serpent folk run along these paths to the center of the garden, stopping every now and then to entice a simian creature from the trees with a piece of fruit. These hominids are wary, but certain of their kind cannot resist the temptation. And Rasa continues. You know, I used to feed your ancestors in the park with my children. My offspring were delighted at the clever little tricks you would perform. Every great city had such a park. It was not until much later when I observed your kind domesticating wolves that it occurred to me we had been selecting the cleverest of you over long years. How bitter I felt when your pet wolves tore my offspring to pieces. How bitter I am still to wake and find that your knowledge has grown and that you have become like one of us. And this air of menace sort of settles over all of you when he, when he lays out this brief little history. I, st- I still have that crowbar, right? Yes. <laughs> How big is this guy? Is he, like, is... he stands of a height with you. Okay. The, the only distinction is his arms are longer and he has a tail. Well, can I use like medicine like to see if I can determine if there's any weak points? Sure. If they'd be different from a human. Yeah, go for it. We'll make it, you need a hard success. But I'll, I'll converse with him while he's sizing up where to hit him. <laughs> um <laughs> I'll say, Push it. do you continue to hold enmity towards those of us that are descendants from those humans, even though uh, we've had no even knowledge of your species throughout our entire existence? Your ancestors had knowledge, but of course I do. I mean, <laughs> do you really look at me and think that there can be peace between your kind and my kind? Isn't our shared existence a paradox? I wouldn't say exactly that. I believe that perhaps an uneasy truce could be could be brokered. This, I don't is know. A fairly that large I would want world. A truce. In, this is a fairly large world. In there, there are places that people can exist. Well, in order for us to live on the surface of this world, it must look very different than yours. Yeah. So yes, I've noticed that uh, you seem to be moving towards a different habitat as it were, um, increasing certain elements in the atmosphere and and uh, changing things. Yes, and will you quietly slink off to the caves in the earth to survive such a cataclysm? Well, if the Would projections you? I saw are right, then it won't happen for many, many, many years. But humans, like your own folk, will survive however they must. All right, Dr. Andrews, so with your medicine role, you can't pinpoint something exactly, but the alarming thing about examining the physiology of this serpent folk is just how rooted in regular biology it is. This isn't like the Dark Hunter, which was somehow apart from the physical world. Mm -hmm. This looks like something very real, just an animal, but with consciousness walking upright like a man. And... uh, in response to Whitmire's question, would you, he says, well, we did at the snapping of your trained wolves and your sharpened sticks and the encroaching cold of the north. But we didn't forget. I must admit that considering how 
long-lived your species was prior to i i suppose from your from your statement you domesticating humans uh i'm surprised that they were driven underground so easily well most of the work was done by the changing climate mm. to be fair you guys were basically useless but uh we have our own trained wolves now and he wraps his staff again and you see the glimmering of light up in all these rock outcroppings as you notice the hominids kind of come out mm. from the rocks spring forth from the rocks but they don't do anything at the moment there's just a number of them up there looking at you with their curious glistening eyes in and there. these are like monkeys right yeah you have trained monkeys yes <laughs> what what year are we okay we're in 1920s when did the uh what was that monkey when did that come out um bo- bozo no no um Bo- <laughs> there was a monkey in the movies what was he um yeah a monkey wouldn't be exactly right it just bears more of a resemblance to it but well, it seems like your kind never learned as you you say that you domesticated and trained us and then we in turn trained other animals to attack you and here you've gone and done it again well we learned from our error you kill the mutations keep the stock pure yeah bonzo when were the bonzo when did bonzo <laughs> well even by your own admission, it, it sounded as if we were just simply happenstance in the greater change of the, the world's 50s. climate, and that humans played a very small part of you being driven underground. Yes, but you are not worthy inheritors of the earth. Although, could you say that your folk are if they were unable to stop the cataclysm the last time? That is our thesis. Wind you back a million years and see how you do in the face of such a threat. We have learned a thing or two under here. We have knowledge just as you do, but whereas you are unable to conquer death, we have after a fashion. Well, I wouldn't quite say that we have not been able to conquer death. There are those among us that... (laughs) Mr. Mueller is working at it as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not just Mr. Mueller. Reverend Tom Thompson. (laughs) But... So, uh, Dr. Andrews, did you want to take any action? You think a blow to the back of the head would, uh, his brain's got to be up there, right? You can make that out. Yeah, no, not yet. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll play this out a bit. Are we continuing to walk through yeah, the boss? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you watch one of these, uh, flashes of light trace along the conduit. Okay. It leaves a ghostly after image for just a second before it shoots off into the barn and this barn is full-sized it's not at the scale that the rest of boston is and that's where you seem to be approaching and as you guys approach he opens the door for each of you before i enter i'll i'll say is this actually the building in boston or is this just a facsimile or a projection perhaps both are true you shall find out I'm not calling for a psychology role because you guys should be tripped up by <laughs> the, the, the menace is, uh, is not guarded, you know. This fellow clearly doesn't like us. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really think we should go into this place. Yeah, I'm going to hesitate before going in. 
I judge you to be quite a sinister character, and I don't trust you. You go in first. I thought you said you were curious. True. Curious, not stupid. Hesitancy has kept us alive in our curiosity, and uh, curiosity must be balanced by a good amount of caution. And of course you would feel that way evolution has designed you as such to look at us with fear and loathing. What do you think that I see when I see your stinking sweat on your forehead? The thought of you up there building and eating and breeding. I imagine you feel jealous that you're a cold-blooded creature and can't manage to sweat and are slave to the heat forever. <laughs> Quit throwing it in my face. <laughs> Does he have a tail? Yes. Can it? I'll ask him if it grows. Like it, will your tail grow back if it's chopped off? <laughs> Is this going to clue you into some secret information? About no, it's just like... Like, I'm nervous, but I know that there's some lizards that can regrow right. limbs. So I'm just like <laughs> trying to figure out what he is and how he works, you know. I've got a real uh, Charleston Heston vibe from you, though. With yeah. You. <laughs> you damn dirty apes. <laughs> but I'm human and I can feel and I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he says you wouldn't be able to chop my tail off in the first place. Yes, but are you truthfully remembering in time in your own life f far before our recorded history begins are you, are you really that long lived no or we do have, you have a like, we, we have a nat natural life and death cycle we have found ways to subvert it those of us who turned to sathagua uh, i see i see i have no idea what you mean <laughs> <laughs> so is it only the worshipers of sathagua that continue to exist or are there uh worshipers of yig that survived as well no they are there probably content with their subterranean delving into arcane matters they have no vision are they the ones responsible for the cold bodies hanging up in that room or is it your kind no those are our bodies what do you do with them that's part of what i'd like to show you it's a food you eat them no. Well, in a way. Uh, they right. wear them and consume them that way. As, uh, I don't think we should go inside here, though. As, and based off what I feel he's saying is we're going to become those bodies in the cold storage. Yeah. Cue the uh, line from Dark City. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give uh, Dr. Andrews the signal. <laughs> Widmeyer's making eyes pop them. Yeah. I'll give him a good whack. All right. Um, so there's a way where you can make it where he can't react to it. Uh, you could say distract him with some social yeah. skill of yours or have somebody else cause a distraction. Or you could, with stealth, just make like you're not going to hit him over the head with a crowbar and then you I'll get a free shot. Talk him to distract him okay well let's have a hard fast talk how about a regular fast talk <laughs> i'll push it can i push it um yes but you he start when you're in the middle of like your fast talk he's like please stop your blubbering lips it's so disturbing to watch your kind speak in such a rapid manner 
And but you, <laughs> what what's your angle since you succeeded on the push? Dang it! Um, well, just to uh, get him angry, focused on me. Okay, so because if maybe. he does, already doesn't like hearing me, then that's it. <laughs> yeah, fast talk him into believing that his people belong underground and humans deserve the surface. <laughs> yeah, you tired uh, of hearing uh, me talk? You pathetic, me weak race can't even stand a little bit of cold. Well, you deserve to be underground. This is like... Uh, look at you. You don't even deserve to see the sun anymore. This is why Lovecraft didn't have the lower class interacting with... Because they would just start talking trash. They're like, you know what? I don't care about your stupid whatever this model you got. I just... I'm an American. I got rights. I'm a doctor. I went to college. Add blood at you. Yeah, you can see he's gotten quite... Uh, well, I mean, uh, you see some action in his eyes that you guess is a signal to his rising temper, which gives you the opening you desire. You don't, all we're looking for is a, f a fumble. So go ahead and roll your fighting brawl skill. Push, oh, they can't push combat, huh? No, it, it's an auto success. We're just going to make okay. sure he didn't flub it up, which he didn't. And so with your, your crowbar, you deal 1d4 plus one plus bonus damage. Uh, if you have any bonus damage. Where would that be if I did? In your combat tab. Can I give him some of mine? <laughs> no, I don't have bonus damage. 1d4 plus 1? Yeah. I have minus 1 bonus. <laughs> so 1d4. So 1d4. <laughs> 4. That's a good hit. But it seems to impact on something that you can't see that's just above the surface of his skin. And he turns and looks at you that action of his temper rising in his eyes, those ophidian eyes, the pupils go to slits, and he moves his staff towards you, but we'll let the other two act before he does what he's going to do, beginning with you, Mr. Whitmire. So you see the blow had no effect, but not because Andrews was bad at his aim, but because it seemed like it hit something before it touched him. What did you want to do, Whitmire? I want to try and uh, tackle him into the doorway. Okay. That's a fighting brawl roll. Yeah. That didn't work. <laughs> Man, John. <laughs> He'll just try to slap you to the side, but he's not that good either. And you, Mr. Monroe, you can see Whitmire's tangled up, tried to tangle up with this creature. I'm like kind of caught off guard by all this. I, and so I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> you like, should what, have watched for the signal. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I was actually like conversing with him while you two were like, go on. Your fast talk actually started getting Monroe angry about <laughs> <laughs> We are apes. Dang it. All right. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be like flabbergasted as, as to how doing they, some uh, shadow evolve. boxing. Yeah. So suddenly. Well, in your, in your, uh, moment of gathering your wits you do hear the patter of feet begin to clamber down from the upper areas of this chamber uh sound you have nightmares about now because yep. they ganged up on you and beat you to death <laughs> yes they did all right so yes he was reaching out with the staff and it transforms into a snake uh to wind its way around where whitmire had thrown himself between the two of you in his attempt to push him through the door and it just comes over and touches you briefly give me a power roll wow see this is 
This is this is why you didn't fail, Chris. That's an extreme success. <laughs> but he does have a 150, so but still he only got a hard success. So there's a moment of shock as whatever the intended effect was does not take place. And he gasps there, which brings us back to you, Dr. Andrews. I'm going to grab that snake staff and yank it out of his hands. All right, let's do a fighting brawl roll. Which hand do you use? Am I able to assist in this at all? Well, both. Oh. oh, both? Okay. Hopefully, you'll wake up nice. with it in your hand. Okay, yeah, so on a tie, he got a hard success as well. The aggressor wins. So you grab it, pull the staff from his hands, and it's writhing in your hand now. And the answer to your question, Whitmire, is you can't assist in the way if you tried the very same thing, you would have a bonus die on it, or he would have more difficulty in defending against it. Oh, okay. So, yes, Whitmire, or Dr. Andrews has grabbed this, the snake staff out of his hand, but it's writhing in his hand, which brings us to you, Mr. Whitmire. All right. Um, could I use... Uh could I use my dreaming to try and force Dr. Andrews out of the dream now that he has that? Yeah, uh, that will make the action a little bit more difficult, though. You're looking at a hard dreaming roll. Could I use luck? You sure can. What would that mean? Um, five luck or six? What is it for hard? Oh, it's round up, I think. On Round up, so five? Yeah. Okay. Use five luck. As the goal was to try and force him out of the dream with the staff. Right. Well, you can definitely force him out of the dream. We'll leave it to well, a Well, I'm role. hoping that his hand is yeah, going to play his a part here. Creepy hand. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Andrews blinks out of the dream and you're plunged into your own nightmares. But as you depart, we can leave it to an extreme power roll, whether or not your hand works its magic. Forget it. That's they're gonna get it because I in no way envisioned that that you would remove his staff from a dream and bring it into the real world. <laughs> oh, dang. oh, dang it! Too much, too much, and the staff clatters to the ground, returning to well, no, it remains in the snake form and it starts slithering back towards Rasa, which brings us to you, Mister Monroe. Um. I'm just going to try and wake myself up. Uh, regular dreaming roll. It was very nice meeting you. Uh, <laughs> nope. Better so, luck out of there. Yeah, then I'm going to... Well, we're pretty much in the center of this bowl, right? This this cavern. Yeah, bowl. you're right outside the, uh, the ghostly barn. All right. Yeah, I'm going to be looking around at all the hominids that yeah. are probably charging down at us right now. They have a few rounds before they get to you as they're still picking their way down the, the jagged slopes. Okay. But that is your action. So unless yeah. you want to move somewhere, we'll no, I, it for you. Yeah, I was looking to see if there might have been an avenue that I could escape through. But yeah, it seems as if we're surrounded. All right, Mr. Whitmire. Rasa reaches out his long reptilian fingers he puts two of them together and touches them to the side of your head give me a power roll so he got you with the extreme success and you lose five sanity Ooh, can i get hit with that <laughs> you've already been hit with it just in a different uh, way uh 
Yeah, so the way this manifests is, you know, filtering down through the many long years some comes some ancestral memory of, of you know, lurking in the trees. That's where your homes were, your, your, uh, your food was gathered, and this sort of ripple that runs through others like you, where it's snakes are in the grass, snakes are in the grass, take to the trees. And what awakens in you is this primal fear of a mortal enemy, one not just in the, the lifespan of Homo sapiens, but one that runs all the way back in your line of evolution to the early mammals of the uh, Jurassic period, and you are taken with complete terror. But let's see what how it manifests itself. Oh, I hate that one. Mm. That one's for Brandon's character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the uh, this awakens, unlocks a phobia in you of snakes. So I'll leave action up to you as normal, but any any attempt to interact with this uh, reptilian person is impossible. Okay, Whitmire? Okay. That probably should have been Brandon's. Like, that's getting pretty close to Dr. Jones' territory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Whitmire is the archaeologist. That's true. If he wants to be. <laughs> uh, so that was his action. So that's you, Whitmire. As so I'm yeah, you try to ahead. wake up. All right. As I'll uh, use luck to get out of there. Okay. What is that? Eleven luck. Yep. Did you deduct your luck from the last one? Yep. I got three left. Nice. Okay. So now Whitmire disappears, leaving you, Monroe. The hominids are about a round away. Now they're uh, flowing through the, sh- the mini streets of Boston, you know, with their clubs and, and their tiny rocks, some of which are whizzing past your head. Okay. I'll try to uh, wake myself up one more time. Okay. You're about to get beat up by a bunch <laughs> of... <laughs> Yeah, and you don't know whether or not this thing can make that real, man. Yeah. Well, you know what? How much uh, MP you got? You could run to them. I was considering that, actually. Um, What was it? I'm I'm considering two options. (laughs) One, I run through the barn door. Two, I run to go get killed by the hominids because I know that they didn't actually kill me last time. Yeah, this is like... uh, when Maddox died and Maximilian had to incinerate the corpse before it could get eaten. Yeah. And you go through yeah. that barn door, you might be getting rode around by a, by a snake thing. All right. Um, D 100 top 50. I go through the barn door, bottom 50. I run to go get killed by the hominids. Okay. Uh, really? Exactly. 50. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, technically puts me best in run. Of the hominids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it'd be 51 through. 100. So yeah, I'll, I'll just turn and flee in whatever direction is away from this, the priest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you, uh, within the round, you reach the front ranks of the hominids and they're, uh, taken aback at first cause they didn't expect you to charge towards them. Yeah. Uh, okay. so they don't really attack you right when you get there. I mean, you still have an action you could take once you're there. You've only just decided to move, so. Punch one. <laughs> Dive into them. Dive into the mass. Um, I'll just kind of do like someone trying to charge through a group of people. I'll like cover my head and just yeah. try and duck my head and run run through. Okay, so yeah, you charge into the mass and eventually they tangle up with your legs and you go down and 
you feel the old familiar blows <laughs> of a hominid beat down. <laughs> I've now been beaten to death, what, three times? <laughs> and uh, your consciousness fades to the laughter of Rasa in the distance. And then you wake up okay. with all of your MP drained and you feel tired and very disturbed. Now, for Dr. Andrews, you had been forced out of the dream by Mr. Whitmire and you fled into your own dim dreams, which now that you have this, they kind of put you into a lucid state and that carries over. So now this isn't an unremembered dream. This is you standing in Whitmire's safe house awaiting the Dark Hunter to step out of the portal when you had gazed into the portal and saw the the fractal dimensions, the multiple Andrews that are out there. And you had been transfixed with that. And the Dark Hunter had come up to you and tore your arms off. And he was holding them there. And you were reacting to the burning sensation of your torso being open to the air. All those severed nerve endings singing at once and arterial blood jetting across the room. And the Dark Hunter just pauses there swaying before you. And then he cocks his head, or it cocks his head, and he puts your arms back in place, thanks to mm. Mr. Monroe's counter action. Oh, no, it's even worse. <laughs> but in that brief moment, you had lost consciousness. You were technically dead before time was rewound a little bit, and you were brought to life. And as a doctor, of course, you had heard many stories about uh, near-death experiences. You recall one old man who had died after a heart attack but was revived by luck who seemed disappointed when he came back. And in your conversations with him, he talked about a cabin that he grew up in as a kid. And, you know, his mom and dad were there, his grandparents, people that had long since passed. Uh, even one particular case of a friend that he had inadvertently caused their death was there and all had been forgiven and he's like doc why'd you hmm. why, why'd you bring me back I'm only like half joking in a way and you realize in that moment where you had died in between it putting your arms back you had gone to that beautiful dream of your wife and daughter and so when you leave this nightmare and you wake up in your room it is completely devoid of anything interesting anything that wants to moor you there to this reality and you're left with a thought did i go somewhere in that brief moment i died somewhere where my wife and daughter was mm -hmm. because it was the most beautiful dream meanwhile monroe is screaming <laughs> when you wake <laughs> uh whitmire you, you woke up in a much better state and you were kind of gathering your senses um, I'd like to wake up screaming too if I'm really that fear-driven. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And Actually, I'll, I'll find some place like I'll, I'll get out of whatever area I'm in as quickly as possible to get to the highest safe house that I know of. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you flee past Doctor Call and Mister McCracken, who were awake. Uh, what are you saying as you run out of here? As, uh, as I'm just, uh, I'm shout. So I'll just wake up with just a, like a scream and then I'll shout, got to get higher and run out the door. Well, they both had some knowledge of 
what could happen as a result of these stream uh, dreams. And I believe they had some direction to wake if any visible terror occurred or something like that. So they are trying to stop you, but you can slip past them pretty easily with a successful dex roll. <laughs> pretty easily. <He's> gone. <laughs> he's terrified. So he's like a, a grease pig. All adrenalized. <laughs> so in our timeline, then you you would wake up after Whitmire's already flit out the door and you you see a very perplexed Dr. Call and Mr. McCracken. I'll just kind of shake my head and say, I hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so is you, you say your third hominid? I, I think this done? is my third time. Well, not, not necessarily <laughs> hominids beating me to death, but third time I, I've been... Dying in the dream? Yeah, I've, I've died in the dream. When you got the big Italian, I really wanted you to wake him up because all I was going to have him do is just be like, finally, my revenge. <laughs> just beat you down. Oh, well. Um, okay. So, yeah. You're there. Uh, there. There's some event that's happened in the room. And you see Mr. Whitmire's missing and uh, a weary-looking Dr. Andrews is rousing himself from sleep. Okay. And I'll be checking myself to see if... I have like blood dripping from my ears or my nose or any of the places where I could feel the blows. No, you don't. You do feel very tired. You expect you look as Dr. Call did when he woke after being torn asunder by the formless guards yeah. around Sathagua or Zagua as the term you guys know better. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll just shake my head and try and gain my bearings as I, I look around um, and probably notice that jimmy's gone so and since i had just seen him disappear from the dream while he was mid-combat with the lizard guy i'll ask him what happened to him so yeah dr call just says he woke up and he was babbling about uh he has to get someplace higher uh, i dare say he was still in the dream as i was i was unable to stop him he's a slippery fellow yeah it probably kept him alive McCracken holds up. He scribbled a question. Do you want me to go after him? Um, yes. Yes, okay. go after him. He, When he finally comes around from what we experienced, then he could probably use your help. It'll just take him a while to shake shake it. All right. Let's um, pause on you guys for a moment and return to Mr. Mueller. In the same room, the impression that time has passed and... An individual is standing before you, one of these consortium members, you can tell by their dress, and he has a container from which he is pulling out a dust or a, or maybe it's salt. The grain is coarse enough, and he's throwing it over your now naked body. You've been, your clothes and your possessions that you had on you have been removed and placed who knows where, but he's throwing this coarse-grained powder on your naked body. And he sees you rouse, and he says, Good morning, Mr. Mueller. Guten Tag. Where am I? <laughs> you are close to Zagua himself. We have come to an agreement in the consortium that perhaps it is time for you to make the plunge. Mm. Uh, I'll uh, stand up, I guess. <laughs> Uh, and I'll, uh, head kind of held high, shoulders square, as much as my, my old form will allow me to do. Ah, <laughs> uh, very well. It is about time. 
Are you sure you are ready to ascend? I was ready decades ago. It is time to leave this mortal coil for a higher plane. <laughs> Very well, Mr. Mueller. Please follow me. <laughs> yeah. So the door he opens, the only door into this room, actually opens into a much smaller space. And you can see there's a heavier door on the interior side of it with like the spinning bulkhead wheel type thing that he spins and then it opens out into a long procession hall from which you can see miniature versions of Zagua holding up a railing off to your left. Um, and he beckons you through it. Mm. On the other side is Mr. Blackman, mm. the man on the train, who seems pleased to meet you or see you again. Mr. Mueller, I am very happy to see you. I do have a question for you. Was it you who sent the hunter after your own companions? Hmm. Of course. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> Truly, you have become like one of us and worthy of Sathagiwa's blessing. Please follow us. Oh, man, I'm so going to get eaten. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yes, he leads you down this procession hall. They're in sort of a uh, triangle ahead of you, three of these consortium members, the one that was in the room and the two that were waiting outdoor. And you hear the rising chant, these syllables that were indecipherable when you heard them in the dream of the mound. This one, two, three, and a held four. sa thog you wa Just goes like that over and over again. And, and unlike the dream version, you can see the hominids are the ones doing the chanting up in these railings, uh, just masses of them. Can I recall any of uh, various research I've done, the uh, appropriate means to sacrifice? Uh, you can give me an intelligence roll to see what you remember if you don't, if you don't oh, remember anything on. as a player. Very nice. So you know Ibon in, in some of the writings about him had said the Latin words somnum manducaru or manducari procreari. Those three words were a protective measure when facing Sathagua, but also to bring a sacrifice with you, which you are short of at the moment. <laughs> so it worked for both? Uh, they both seemed as though that it was something he did both stages. He said the words and then he had a... Uh, a serving person that worked for him that he pushed towards Sathagua when he knelt before his might. Somnum. Manducari procreari. Was it uh, pro? Damn, sorry. I'll spell it for okay. you. Okay. <laughs> I think you actually roll the R on this one, but I'm not very good well, at that. Um, potentially. Could you do the whole thing? Oh, yeah. So I just copy paste it. Do I remember anything of the actual sacrificial ritual? No, it was more like just a write or a written thing. Yeah, in the story, you you got it by a story from the De Vermis Mysterious about Ibon, Ibon's meeting with Sathagua, where he just brought his serving person, said the words, pushed his serving person to be eaten if Sathagua was hungry. That way, it wasn't him. Which of these would be the lowest in rank if I could discern that? You mean the words? No, the creatures walking <laughs> okay. with me. Uh, well, you, de you don't guess that it's Mr. Blackman. Mm -hmm. You uh, 
We'll do a psychology roll. Okay. You know, does this skill actually work for me at this point, or am I closer to like Hannibal Lecter psychology? <laughs> or... <laughs> it does work for you. I think your conclusions you would draw off it based would be where you go wrong, right? Because mm. you come up with like weird ideas of how you might trick them. But yes, you do identify uh, one of them to be lower in rank. Okay. As he's deferred to both men as you proceed down this hallway. Alongside a rising chant, chant where you go through some columns into a dim area uh, which there is no light. One sec here. And you see some electrical equipment. Some of it looks like radio equipment to you. It's, it's set off in the corner in a way. Although the microphone is over large, you would say. And uh, you see a person crouched there, a naked man covered in dirt. You don't recognize him, but he's huddled there, sort of shaking, uh, sort of flinching from this rising chant as you approach. Hmm. Okay, sorry. Okay, so there, your footfalls stir up this dust, uh, which for some reason it enters your head that you're looking at millennia old bones uh, just gone to dust. But you also see grisly and decayed morsels rotting where they fell. The leavings, perhaps, of Sothagua's feedings. This comes in the way of severed hands or putrid innards or worse. This does trigger your gag reflex, so give me a constitution roll. Mm. Ah. <laughs> nice. Wow. That's a 99. Yeah, that's over close. Well, all that happens is you, um, you puke up masses of hair, basically, just like you, all you ate was hair recently. Unfortunately, that is more sand loss. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> you know, that was the biggest sand loss I think I've had yet in the game was puking up those snails. Yeah. All right. Uh, how much, or do I need to roll the sanity? Uh, yeah, roll your sanity. Ah, oh, dang. Um, it's a 1d4. Ooh, that does it. <laughs> all right, so... We'll stick with you on this bout of madness, deeper into your paranoia. You know that these guys aren't leading you there for their own gain. Why would they? But perhaps you're on the right track, and there still is a play you can make here. Uh, you will just have to wait and see. You've already identified your sacrifice, and you do remember that amongst your list of people the Dark Hunter was supposed to go after that Mr. Blackman was one of them. <laughs> and maybe if the timing is just right, it can work out in your favor, but we will see. So you keep it together, at least as far as you think. Well, this uh, falls into his manipulative right. trait. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're still within the bounds of his insanity. <laughs> so you cast your gaze. Anyone sane looking at Johan right now would probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, they would know instantaneously. <laughs> He's trying to kill someone. <laughs> okay, so you cast your gaze around the room and you see at the far wall, beyond these stone basins that are filled with a dark liquid that is stirred by some unseen uh, current, uh, you see the formless mass of Zagua, upon which lolls a massive toad-like head its bulk is immense and covered with a loathsome and glistening brown fur. Two legs and two arms sprout from the fleshy mass, all possessing unnatural multi-angled joints and equipped with wicked-looking claws. 
Its face is dire, with slitted eyes revealing yellow-red glowing orbs, above a grinning mouth running from edge to edge. Within are gleaming rows of jagged teeth. You can see translucent skin stretched across its belly, giving a full view of the digestive process taking place, in, and floating near the edge of it is his most recent mill, who is in a better state than when Monroe saw it, so you can actually make out the features. Uh, not a person you know, but you'd be able to see him or recognize him if you were to see him again. Once again, sand roll. <laughs> oh, come on. Did it roll? Uh, nope. Okay. Ooh. That's a 1d20 sand loss, please. Ooh, 1d20. <laughs> I'm glad we survived that sanity loss. Oh, whoops. Sorry. We. <laughs> What happens if you get to zero sanity? Yeah. You're NPC'd. So that brings you down to what? A four, which we have crossed the threshold, right? Oh, we crossed it at 13. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So um, once you behold the might of Zagua, you realize how ancient of a being it is. It even would predate these serpent folk who at one point seemed mysterious and powerful and must have had amazing Can mastery. Can I be monologuing what you're saying? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, just, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, right. I'll be kind of talks, <laughs> like whispering it. <laughs> but they're, they're as weak and pitiful as, as you are, as a mere human. They don't understand Zagua, not like you do. Uh, the elder things, the old ones, which you saw who had created you by accident or jest long ago, they understood Zagua. They knew when he would arrive on this earth and when he would come to again. And it's with this understanding that you proceed forward, assured that Zagua will give you his blessing, which does come down to a luck roll. But are you going to begin intoning the words? They kind of push you forward to approach Zagua. Yeah, so when they go to push me, I guess I'll try to, uh, well, have they started chanting themselves? No, okay. no, they, they stay clear. <laughs> I see. Yeah, uh, when they uh, go to push me, I'll start uh, chanting, and I'll grab one of the lesser ones. Hopefully, he's one that pushed me. Okay. And I'll try to get him in front of me. <laughs> All right. Um, so, let's get the luck roll first. We'll give you a bonus die on it. <sighs> All right. Bonus. What's that? Minus one. It didn't. Did they change how they did it. This? Yeah, it didn't pop up with anything. You want me to just roll luck again? No, you rolled a zero. So, I think you rolled a two. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, my luck is 54. So yeah. So, it has an extreme luck. Yep. All right. Okay. So, um, you can grab this guy. He's so surprised at it when you do that we're just checking for a fumble on your fighting, fighting brawl. <sighs> the way the dice have been going, I wasted all my luck trying to uh, kill them. It's not a fumble, right? Nope. Okay. Okay. So yeah, um, I'll do that, and I'll start. Uh, I'll shout out, uh, "Somanum mandacura procure" or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and you push sh- them. Try to push them ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. So you push the consortium member forward, and out snakes the prehensile tongue of Sathagyu and wraps around him. At the same time, a bead of darkness forms in this dark interior space and begins to grow to the size of a man and outsteps a dark hunter. And for the first time since you've ever, ever interacted with Mr. Blackman, you see doubt and fear play on his face. 
And he's saying, what? Is he looking at me? Yes. What I'll, have, th- I'll have like <laughs> the biggest, like probably bloodstained grin because <laughs> I've probably been chewing on uh, like my cheeks raw too. So With yeah. Those crazy eyes. <laughs> all right. One sec here. I sent Zadok Hunter after all of my <laughs> companions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, you, uh, you you must focus your attention on Zagua though and you mm. hear some something happening between the dark hunter and Mr. Blackman and you hear a cry of terror from Mr. Blackman but Zagua is all encompassing and you watch as that tongue grasps the consortium member into an ever widening maw one that opens with like three leaves there's a split down the middle and the process of being eaten is quick and the many-toothed maw you can see just grinds the consortium member into the bare number of pieces required to go down the gullet. Mighty Zogua, give me <laughs> your blessing. <laughs> and he splashes into the digestive fluids. And rather than you, uh, a look of terror, you look, you see a look of wonder across his newest mill's face as he bathes there in the burning acid. And then. Your mind is probably completely and utterly destroyed because Sathagua connects to it. So mm. there's a chance. Sanity roll. <laughs> we were pretty close to getting NPC'd anyway. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> How much do I lose? This is an excellent roll. <laughs> so this one's a D20 slash D100. So this is a D20 again on a failure. <laughs> I, I would not have believed that role no. if i hadn't just no. seen it happen yeah, no a four versus a four ah all right npc uh, okay so yeah you um you're connected to this eternal dreaming state of sathagua you understand that what he eats are like the atoms of his dream building this you you see the consortium lose his sense of self and just become some eternal structure in Sathagua's dream constructions to be there forever, t- for all time amidst thousands, millions, billions, countless other bits of consciousness that act as a tree or whatever. Uh, but you see a far distant terrain. Hold on, I lost it. Dang it. With uh, sh- striating ridges and odd pillars that slant in one direction. And it's not quite communication you have with Zagua, but you do get the impression that he is offering it is to you whatever you seek. So, with the final moment, as a uh, as Mueller turns around to see the chaos sown by the Dark Hunter, where Mister Blackman has been killed, what is? What was your exact wording on that? I have it in older notes. Let me pull it up. Oh, what the uh, the wish to transcend the mortal body into a that type of thing? No, what you sent the Dark Hunter. Oh, to do. I forget what I sent the Dark Hunter to do to him. I'll pull it up here. Yeah, I think Johan started running out of a lot of ideas because I think <laughs> by the time he got to uh, Whitmire, he was basically just rip him apart. You remember the librarian having some extra brutality added to it. Yeah, the librarian's on that list too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can see that 
Mr. Blackman has just been killed in some efficient manner. Uh, you know, maybe the neck was crushed by these the strong hands of the Dark Hunter, and the Dark Hunter is returning to the portal from whence it came on to the next victim, your librarian. <laughs> Which does leave an interesting um, thought, Final one of the few final thoughts in Mueller as a PC's mind, is that if, he's, uh, if he got to Blackman, that means he went through Mr. Merriweather. Mm. So this will bring the last bit of Johan that I'm able to do. <laughs> great, great pleasure. <laughs> so what you have is the blessing of Sathagua for what you seek, which you can answer. And the final remaining consortium member there with you looking at you in awe <laughs> at your ascendancy. So what is it that Mr. Mueller, as your final PC action, what's he getting from, from Sathagua? Uh, immortality in some fashion beyond getting not not getting eaten by a giant, right. <laughs> uh, but some way to essentially uh, elevate his soul to where it's its own okay. vessel. He doesn't it know where no longer needs a vessel that can inhabit others as need be or whatever. Okay. And as the answer to this wish floods into your consciousness, a smile spreads across Mr. Mueller's face. Thank you for the villain. All right, Dr. Andrews, you're waking up from a nightmare, one of your own making and one that you shared with your companions in this journey. And one way a scientist gets to the, the truth of matters is they reduce things, Correct. concepts. That's true. And all of these dream journeys, the occult or mystical side of this investigation have done nothing but confuse you. But if you reduce what you are doing here to its central problem, it is still to free a young boy from the corrupt justice system of Boston. And you know that today, you and Whitmire and Mr. Monroe are to make a journey in the evening out to Danvers Asylum to make sure that documents favor Wallace Bowers as the person who committed this heinous crime about against Mr. Dooley. So, in a sense, you're pushing away all of the distractions and, and trying to refocus your, yourself because the world, it's, it's uh, just gray and lifeless right now. You're still too close to that dream of your, your wife and daughter. That thing you suspect might be what happens in death, these near-death experiences, you know. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, there you are. Uh, McCracken's gone off after a fleeing Whitmire and a very drained Mr. Monroe is trying to issue directions uh, for what has happened, but he's very tired. Um, so is there any time left for us to sleep at all normally? You have slept for quite a while, actually. You can see as you check your watch that it's 3.30 in the morning. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask the others if it's okay if I try and get some natural sleep. I will remind you that may not be up to you. You might have well, to remove yeah. the toad's uh, figurines in order to do that. Which, yeah, I suppose I could do. Or you could ask Dr. Call, too, as, as well. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be pretty haggard um, and still trying to shake the feeling of being beaten to death from my mind. <laughs> uh, what happened? I suddenly 
was snapped out of the dream. I don't know, but you were quite lucky that you left at the time you did. I didn't intend to leave. I had his staff. I was going to strike him with it. Well, perhaps he's sent you from the dream. After after you, he turned to Mr. Whitmire, and then Mr. Whitmire also disappeared. Every fiber of my being finds the existence of such a creature insulting, heretical even. But, you know, we do still have to go alter the records at the sanatorium. Yes, yes we do. Which we're supposed to do today, and it's 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Well, they're not open right now. Hopefully McCracken can find Whitmire. And speaking of McCracken, who is now being played by Chris, Chris is Finn McCracken, the stalwart mute guardian angel of Jimmy Whitmire, who you are on the trail of now. Uh, As it turns out, he hasn't made it very far since you got the okay from Mr. Monroe to go after him. He's gone out in the street, and Whitmire, you've stopped there because that temporary bout of madness has come to an end. However, you are in a delusional state, and Anything that appears in your peripheral that can be confused with a snake does so. So you're constantly wheeling around looking at, you know, something dangling there, some vaguely oblong shape. Light posts. Light posts, right. Power cords. (laughs) And that's that's continuing on. But this idea to flee to the highest space uh, is not, you don't have to adhere to it. But uh, you're, you're within, you can see each other, I should say. Yeah, I'll go walking up kind of like uh, uh, once I get within like once I know he notices me, I'll start doing like that. You're trying to calm a horse type yeah. thing, you know, like just motioning Do him for him to calm down. movements of his arms remind me of the snake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, they uh, had two snake when arms. He, he tries to calm you down. Yeah, it seems like he's extended two writhing snake arms at you. Um now, these are delusions, but you have to treat them as though they're real until you attempt to deny them. Or you have some other rationale as why well. you might ignore them. You know what well, I mean? Well, I could I I I know this is Finn McCracken by his face, regardless yes. of what arms he carries today. <laughs> uh, uh, can I use that as a rationale to <laughs> Yeah, so you you um I suppose you're just trying to focus on the part of him that looks like a human and not his weird snake arms writhing at you. <laughs> but you still see them there uh, hissing and and coiling in your peripheral. But as long as you stay focused. So for you, Whitmire, he has a pinpoint expression, like a pinpoint right on your eyes. It's a uncomfortable level of eye contact. Can I tell he's made nervous by my, my arms or, yeah. or any? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'll kind of put them down. and So the snake arms go out of your sight. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Whitmire. I'll uh, heave a sigh of relief, and uh, I'll, I'll try to explain some of it, but it'll, it'll just be jumbled, right? It's like mixed between, uh, you know, the just snakes, um, you know, like snakes and lizards and living in trees. And it just to where it doesn't make any sense, but uh, any time that I'll I'll bring up, uh, you know, the snakes or lizards, uh, eyes will get wild again. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't know 
how much of all this stuff that uh, McCracken has <laughs> uh, put up with over the, the yeah, years. Let's do a little uh, backstory. So you were employed by Meriwether. He sort of rescued you out of poverty. Uh, it was an odd encounter. You were just working as a longshoreman, not making very much money in Ireland, as a matter of fact. And he was walking along the the street. I mean, you just saw a man in a nice cut of clothes, but he stopped and he seemed particularly fixed on you for no reason that you can discern. And he just made you a job offer and the money was too good to resist. But as you worked for him, you came to actually like him. He was an honorable man in his own way, but he was taken by uh, dark tempers, not maybe not tempers, but like, like fugue brooding. states. Yeah, okay. And so you seeing McCracken in the in the place he is now as, as a mirror of sometimes you would, it's like if you had a drunk master that you served and you had to put them to bed sometimes, occasionally you would find Meriwether, uh, you know, passed out over some uh, tome. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd, you'd have to take him to his room. And he but, might start swinging. Yeah. Okay. And of course you were present when, for odd things, you don't know the results of them. For example, you were present when Nicholas Asida's body returned to the States and Meriwether performed some thing on it, but then the uh, box was closed again and you delivered it to where it was supposed to go. You're not sure what the result of there that was. There wasn't an odd thumping from the coffin? <laughs> not while you had it, anyways. <laughs> okay. And um, so you've just been adjacent to this oddity, and it's these odd events, and it's mostly come to the fore in recent years. Uh, one, when you were in the Corbett house and you saw that corpse resurrect and... Now, recently, alongside these guys and the Dark Hunter, you've seen a few times now. And uh, you're still reeling from watching. You were certain you watched Dr. Andrews be killed by the Dark Hunter. But something's wrong with that. And you yeah. fled and he's alive now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. yeah so I'll, uh, was it, we got someplace we need to be, right? Soon? Um, not that you're necessarily aware of, but you know you were just out here at Monroe's direction. That's actually your hotel room that no. everybody was in. So. Right. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'll just kind of put my hands in my pockets and I'll kind of motion back towards the uh, the hotel with, to Whitmire. You know, like, come on, let's go. All right, Mr. Whitmire. I will follow because I do trust Finn McCracken. Yeah, you come up to the lobby doors and... Uh, you hesitate for a moment, Whitmire, because you can see that those door handles are snakes. Well, also, seem... when the light, uh, when you open the door, the glass door, how it kind of shimmers everything. Yeah. And then Crawls. I become a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your eyes have that reptilian uh, cast to them with the slitted irises. But as always. So I'll just put a, put a hand on uh, McCracken's shoulder and close my eyes and say, I, I need you to see for me. <laughs> uh, you do. Well, there's one other thing you see in the reflection, and that is, of course, the black man the at black some distance man. behind you with his eyes blazing and that halo of light around his head. He doesn't seem to be advancing, but oh, what a fool you have been to think he wasn't there that whole time since you saw him last. This one's worth some sanity loss. John, did you want to try to to deny these delusions? You have to succeed at a sanity roll in order to deny them. <laughs> no problem. As I have uh, my hand on the McCracken, 
<laughs> Nothing can harm me. He's basically Ash. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Double barrel shotgun takes care of everything. Yep. So you squint your eyes closed for a moment and you focus on the sensation of your hand on McCracken's shoulder to moor yourself to reality. And when you open your eyes, the snakes and the black man are gone. As, uh, I am gonna, I do want to offer him a job though once uh, we figure out <laughs> Merriweather's not coming back. All right. So, uh, yeah, like, uh, once it feels like, uh, Whitmire's ready to start walking, uh, I'll guide him back to the room. Okay. So once back, you can see Monroe's <laughs> settle himself down to try to get more sleep with what's left of the night. And I'll start writing the screenplay for, uh, hear no evil, see no evil. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but Dr. Andrews is, uh, still awake. So you three and Dr. Call are there in the room. So gentlemen, was anything learned from this bout of exploration into the dream? <clears throat> I learned that, uh, I am, I am as a child to those <laughs> reptiles when it comes to physical strength. But as, uh, my mind, at least for the moment, is uh, is on par with theirs, I believe. Well, if you say it, I believe it, Mr. Whitmire. You're a sturdy man. Bit of a scoundrel, though. <laughs> uh, a few things we did uh, learn good, was good. that they're... Are a surprising number of. Are, I picture Monroe like curled, kind of fetal, facing the wall, but talking, <laughs> like try, trying to sleep, but can't stop talking. Well, right now we're probably still. I'm probably still sitting on the side of the bed. You know, no, my head that's my hands. Uh, how I'm picturing you now too. Sorry. So I have to be in the fetal position. Yeah, you're trying uh, to get back talking to sleep to the wall. But I'll, I'll mention we did find out that they. They have some sort of what look like breeding chambers, many, many, many of them, uh, and that the Porcellian home seems to be central to whatever they're planning in Boston. And their uh, manufacturing an army of, was it hominids? Yes, ancient uh, human-like ancestor offshoots. This sounds like something Gary Riggs would write, but I don't know what to do with it. Dr. Andrews, what is the rational course forward? I'm a man of science as you are, but I cannot see it. These powers arrayed against us seem too great for us to face directly. Perhaps we should handle this matter with young Mr. Murphy and and uh, transplant ourselves away from snakes and interdimensional beings. Yeah. And gods. Especially God. I, I can't think of any course of action that we might take that would be successful. No, no one would believe if we tried to alert anyone. Oh, and McCracken, you had recently got a line on a, a portion of dynamite should you need it in the future, just so you know. Wait, we do. <laughs> we need to blow up the barn. Yeah. Well, that is in real life or in the dream. I well, believe that they're uh, one and the same. If we destroy it in real life, I, and all those pulses were going into it, it must have some power there. Mm -hmm. And then Do we, we still have the option would... of uh, sending some dynamite through one of those portals. Is this 
the barn is that where Zathagua rests? Um, I don't believe that's actually where he rests, but I believe that it is a, a conduit for the power that they're trying to absorb for him. Mm-hmm. Yes, it must be some type of vessel. Right, because but that's I, where I do all the agree ley lines that we go. should send some mm-hmm. through those doors that we found as well. There's the Wilbur Theater, the safe, there's the sarcophagus in uh, Mr. Monroe's uh, back room. Yes, I still need to put that on display. Okay, let's uh, change the wording of that to. We need to destroy those. That way I can at least write and tell you I have dynamite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we, uh, we, we need specifically to. I think asked I would, you to find it. <laughs> yeah, I had asked you well, to find it. Well, now I got it. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I'll uh, scribble that out. Uh, one of my guys in town has a line of, <laughs> to dynamite. It shouldn't be that hard in this era, no, right? No. Yeah. It was just, uh, but I think you were looking at more of a quantity than, say, you could go into a store and. Yeah, buy a stick of dynamite to remove a, a well, stump. Right. I also think uh, keep it off the books would be a right big thing. Yeah. So yeah, some off the book dynamite. Uh, after we blow up some rich people's house, I'm sure that it will help make a law <laughs> to restrict access. They'll just blame it on the anarchists. Mm, yeah, that's good enough. They were the mad bombers in this era. Um, well, I think ten years before, but well, destroying that house may be all and good, but. Uh, I believe that we have one appointment that we need to take care of before we do anything else today. Ah, yes. The troubled young man, Mr. Bowers at Danvers. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm expecting confirmation this morning from my contact there. And to remind you, Mr. Monroe, you attended one of Dr. Freud's lectures at Clark University. Uh, sorry, the lie slipped out before I could reel it back in and that's quite all right. I don't think it should come up, although my contact is a fan of Mr. Freud. And before we had actually gone to sleep when we were doing our, our late downtime, I've been reading through that, that book of Freud's theories. Right. On dreams. Yeah. And, on the interpretation and so, of dreams. Um, kind of what Lance has come up with as part of his cover for going in is that he believes that psychosis it uses the same part of the brain as dreams. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that you can use dream analysis from Freud mm. to analyze the ramblings of a mad person. Don't forget to buy some cigars. Right. I have no fetish like that. No, but if he's such a fan, he might smoke cigars just out True. of uh, idolizing, you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, Dr. Andrews, you are, of course, Dr. Andrews. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good doctor mm-hmm. there's no cover for you and mr whitmire you are a young psychology student learning from mr monroe himself <laughs> this new theory of psychosis and dream relationship this is how you create villains travis is you have to have <laughs> <laughs> and uh mr mccracken i you will fill the role that it seems you feel in life. Yeah, I'll <laughs> write valet on the piece of paper and underline it and tap it. <laughs> yes, yes. As no one could confuse you with anybody else or anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's there's no there's no loss of dignity in it, man. <laughs> Cheer up. We all need a good valet. <laughs> 
And you are Irish after all. Yeah, yeah you're used to discrimination in Boston. That's what sent uh, Mueller on his craze. That's what that's what got Dooley killed. Was that type of talk right there? Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I uh, that was misrepresenting uh, Doctor Call. He, no, uh, no, I have I have no such intentions with with McCracken to uh, go on a murderous rampage. <laughs> well, then uh, I will. I think I shall return to make sure all the matters are settled. And I will get confirmation to you before you are to depart. I'd say if you catch the early afternoon tra- you, train, you should make Danvers by the appointed time, which gives you a few hours in which loose ends can be dealt with. Very well. Okay. Mm. Thank you. What's faster in this era, the train or car? For train. getting there. Train. Yeah, they don't have... Uh, Good road systems for... No highway system yet. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering if I should drive down there early. Yeah. Well, I mean, driving has its advantages. So you don't have to stick to a schedule, but most of the roads aren't laid out in flat or straight lines that allow mm. for great speeds. So usually you're stuck to like a 25 mile an hour or 20 mile an hour to make the turns mm-hmm. required, whereas the train will go, I think, 50 miles an hour yeah. in this area. All right. The ball's in your court, gentlemen. What did you want to do with the time? Sleep. Um, yeah, so I'd like to see if I can get my mind right. Yeah, I'll. Uh, yeah, I'll try and get a few hours of, of real sleep. Yeah, and uh, I, go ahead. I will ask uh, Andrews. Uh, what does what stopped you from taking from bringing his staff back? Oh, I'm afraid I don't know. I don't. I don't uh, even know how I exited the dream. I had it in my hand and, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't have the same effect this time. As I'll, uh, I'll admit to uh, sending you from the dream world in hopes that it was that we would be able to recover the staff on this side. Oh, I see. Uh, no, that... that uh, obviously, that uh, was folly. True. Because he... He broke me. Yes, I see that you and Monroe have suffered some ill effects from whatever happened afterwards. But I think that we should plan on destroying the barn. Yes. I think that that might be the course of action we can take that has the best chance of having some effect on this situation. (laughs) uh, I will not suffer those things on the surface. Well, apparently neither will the weather. (laughs) <laughs> and then we have an ally. <laughs> That's true. We you are currently in an interglacial period, so mm-hmm. it'll get even worse once the, the glacial period happens. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, I will do something a little out of character, though. I'm I am going to ask if uh, Mister McCracken has anything to drink in here. It's not tea or coffee. Do I? You can take over I from this Irish. point <laughs> if if he would or not. Uh, yeah, he, he's Irish. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, I'll pull out a flask and give it to him. I'll, uh, I, I, it's not that I've never drank before. It's just I don't normally don't do really it. enjoy it, right? So I'll, I will take some and kind of you know cough a little bit, but uh, hand it back and and thank him. Yeah, I'll uh, hold it up, kind of do like a. 
a toast type gesture and I'll take a sip too and then put the cap back on. Okay. Well, then you guys rest up a little bit. I'd say at that time, you would probably naturally wake up around 9 or 9.30 to finish off the night of sleep. And uh, McCracken, you had been watch over these guys, so of course you need some sleep too. Okay. And you wake, so you still have a few hours before your appointed time to leave to Danvers. Uh, You wake to the confirmation from Dr. Call that all the arrangements have been made. You'll be given a tour of the facilities and allowed to speak to young Bowers. So just for my magic point situation, how many hours has passed since... When you wake, it would be six hours. So six hours, including travel time out there? Yeah, well, from then it would be... You would probably be close to full. How many do you have? 18. Oh, not quite, so let's see. I have 17. You'd have 15 by the time you got to Danvers. Okay. I had five left. Are we recovering at a rate of one per hour? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I got beaten to death, so all my magic points were gone, so. And. So what about hit points? Hit points, if you haven't taken a wound, they recover at one per day. If you have taken a wound, they won't recover until your major wound has been healed. It's a it's a slightly different process. You do a check once per week, and uh, depending on that roll, you get hit points back or not, or your wound gets worse in some way. Oh, should, do I need to make so a I was one missing my one wound? hit point. Yeah, you can mark it back. Okay. I think that one you took in the dream, though, right? Yeah, I think so. It's, yeah, so just erase it. It it transferred over to magic point loss when you woke. Oh, okay. So you're back at your normal, what you were with the wound yeah, before you my, went to drain. My nine hit point. Yeah. Yeah. I would say we have we have enough time to get uh, go get our normal breakfast. <laughs> um, It'd be a bad omen not to start at O'Laffer's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then we can go catch the train. Uh, Whitmire, you also get a telegram from Detective Wayne Nichols, who ha- who has confirmed for you that there is nothing in police records that his men were able to track down that indicate Wallace Bowers was taken in or held in police custody at any time. So it would seem that it's just the institution he's at that would have that information. Okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll share that information then. It doesn't look like there's anything on file except for at the hospital itself. So as long as we can get in and not encounter any issues, then this will work. No nod. And then over breakfast, and I suppose while we're traveling, if we're taking regular transportation, or I guess, are we, John, are we taking your car? Uh, To the train station, at least, unless uh, McCracken wants to drive. Yeah, I'll drive my car, too. I mean, no reason. Not two. Yeah. yeah, you guys can yeah. take, you just have to set out like two hours earlier, maybe, okay. maybe even less. Just over the travel time, as long as Whitmire's not driving, I was going to go over some of the Freudian oh. terminology <laughs> and stuff so that he at least, yeah. he, he can pull off the, the student. Of, <laughs> yeah, I think we should do the train, like, you know, park the cars at the um, station and then take the train out there. Because if not, then I mean, we won't be able to, to start the day right. <laughs> Okay, so the train it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you guys have a nice breakfast uh, with this 
standard quality fare you have come to know O'Lafferty's for, and then you gather up what you need. If there's something specific, make sure you write it down on your possessions. Dynamite. Dynamite. <laughs> right. So lock, we're going. Lockpicks. What's, what's the name of the asylum? Tools. Danvers State Hospital. Danvers, yeah. The contact you have there, according to Dr. Call, is one Dr. Phelps. Okay. Well, I am going to take my my knife. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, just make a note of it on your character sheet. And, and my 38. You guys board the train. All right. Do we still have one of those Dark Hunter uh, little... Hairs or fibers or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember who had it last, though. You had the portion uh, of it returned to you from the I have it, yeah, university. from the university. Okay, we should probably bring that with us, see if we can use it to trigger a response if, if all else fails. Oh, Insert okay. Insert it into the skull. Of <laughs> powers. That's a last resort. Of here. yourself. Oh. Gain its power. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll try and bring along some sort of journal or, or notebook that looks like it's used for research purposes uh whitmire you can you're more of a a master of disguise <laughs> at least a fast talk so as you're kind of looking over monroe uh did you have any tips you wanted to help him with to blend into his role <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. How, how, well first how do you uh sh- how do you present yourself today mr monroe i suppose if we are going to danvers and i'll i'll put on a more standard less suit. flamboyant yeah so what you can do with myers uh roll out a fast talk uh these are just a few things to say a few tips to of, of behavior that will give him a bonus die that he may use on a social skill roll of his choice but because it comes from Whitmire, it also gives your social skill the effects of a fast talk roll, meaning it would unravel. Say if you use charm, it will unravel at a certain point. Only if I use it. Only if you die, use right? the bonus okay. die. And it looks like you got that with a hard success, Whitmire. Correct. So he's um, he's giving you a rundown, uh, some quick and dirty tips. These come in the way of uh, of how one expects a psychoanalyst to behave, especially one who has met Freud personally. Uh, one of the, the oh. tips also is to just make sure that you ask their opinion on it. Uh, like before you get too detailed, uh, act interested in them and ask their opinion on it as well. I didn't and realize it. Dr. You just mimic their opinion, basically. I didn't realize that Dr. Call had gone so far as to say that I had met hmm? Freud. Well, you were at his lecture. <laughs> well... <laughs> I figure there are lots of people that go to his lectures that may or may not have actually had contact with him. Yeah, well, he... Uh, yeah, your personal friends. You stayed the, le- the night last <laughs> night. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so boarding the train to Danvers, you have a nice ride through the countryside. And the train lets off actually not too far from the state hospital. They have a stop there from which you can walk a short distance. You can even see the structure in the distance. Uh, it shared an image of it, but I'll show it to you guys again. This sprawling uh, structure with two wings on each side of the main building that are kind of staggered back. They make sort of like a bat wing type shape if you were to look at it from the air. And visitors would approach the main entrance, which you guys do after your short walk. And 
once inside, you have the attendant there who takes your names and forwards the message to this Dr. Phelps, who arrives in short order with a pair of nurses. And he is a small, although tan-skinned man with a beaming smile on his face. And he has a shock of still black hair, although you can see he's probably in his mid-50s. And uh, he seems pleased. And he's trying to, like, uh, angle onto one of you guys. He dismisses McCracken as not... <laughs> Can I be holding some of their, uh, like, probably Monroe's yeah. belongings? Like, if, yeah, like, uh, I don't know, like, write on a notepad before we get in there, or like on the train or something. Like, when we get in there, like, hand me your over your overcoat and, you know, yeah, brief rundown on. I probably have like a, a briefcase or an attache case or something like that. That I and I'll there. make sure that when they come up, I'll, I'll look to Monroe, uh, okay. as if like how I should compose myself. Yeah, I'll have my doctor bag in case I need to get, like, his pulse or whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. And he says, uh, good afternoon, gentlemen, or good evening, I should say. Uh, how are you doing? I'm trying to put a face to the to the names I was giving, but I'm not sure. I'll hold out my hand and say, uh, Lance Monroe. Oh, a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. Do you not extend your hand all the way, forcing him to extend his hand, and thus it's a power move on your part? <laughs> no, I step into his, <laughs> oh, his personal space. Into his oh. personal space as I grab his hand and like you know, do that. You know, Roughly jerk it out into the middle and then aggressively shake. No, more of the like step close so that our arms are between us and bring the other hand up to behind his shoulder so that I've kind of got him trapped. So he reacts with wonder at this uh, this <laughs> this powerful understanding of body language <laughs> put him in a disadvantage and uh, masterful move <laughs> i've disarmed <laughs> yes i'm pleased to give you all a tour today especially such a esteemed gentleman as yourself uh, as i understand it dr calls said you actually attended one of freud's lectures at clark university yes yes it was a most insightful um lecture on you know the relevance of dreams and <laughs> You know, just give a little bit of a, a rundown. And did and did you, uh, as I understand it, he gave it in his native German. Did you, do you speak German? Do you understand? No, I'm afraid I had to have a translator nearby. Well, what do you? Oh, I was going to say you could pull out some of Johann's uh, German that he's heard. Because <laughs> he probably was talking here or there at all times. Well, yeah. I'll actually mention, you know, oh, yeah. I, I have a, a, a good friend, companion, his name is Johann Mueller, who is a, a native German speaker who who helped me translate. Uh, there was a little bit lost in translation, but for the most part, I believe I, I got the the majority of what he spoke about. Well, I'm afraid if he had spoken in plain English, there would be uh, ideas lost. His ideas are quite advanced. I am actually a proponent of the free association method and have been making motions to get it in use here at Danvers. Of course, we have a protocol that we must adhere to, but I have seen some results. Yes, well, as, as any kind of progress is made, it must be done uh, cautiously for the health and well-being of the patients as well as for our own safety in dealing with some of the uh, more problematic psychoses. Right, well, gentlemen, if you'll follow me, we can begin the tour. Very well. And I want to keep an eye out for anything that looks like a records room. Okay, so according to Dr. Call, 
they had those stored in sub-levels. When you grilled him about it, he said it was, you know, he didn't go down himself. It was brought to him, but he suspects it was in either the front center or the rear center, the main building of this uh, installation, not in one of the wings. Okay. And uh, Dr. Phelps is walking along through the front center where you guys entered, and he's saying, "Uh, here's a dining hall. Uh, This is the superintendent's office, so on and so forth. And he kind of shows you how it runs. Like you see a kitchen, and they have a, uh, because this is a four-story structure, they have a system of dumb waiters from where all this food is run throughout the facility. We have service tunnels that our staff can move to either of the wings without perturbing the patients here. But then you move on to uh, to one of the wings. This is the west wing, which is for female patients. And he says the closer rooms are for patient, patients, we have some hope they will recover. And as we go to the further edge, that is our most troubled patients. And he's going on and on. But you have a moment you think you can slip away if you'd like, Dr. Whitmire. It's not a really great one. So if you do it now, you would need to succeed at a hard stealth roll. Of course. Could he signal me and give me a chance to distract? Yeah. Yeah. We could do some sort of combination like that with, uh, with your companions if you want. Yeah. Yeah. I would feel better about that as one of them distracting. So I'll, if we had a signal arranged as when I see the opportunity, I'll give it. Yeah. Given the nature of the mission, I don't see why you wouldn't have come up with something like that. Uh, knowing that you would have to gain access to a different part of the tour, probably. So, unfortunately, you haven't had enough time to work a persuade role, so it would have to come down to charm, fast talk, or intimidate. <laughs> fast talk and intimidate might put you on a different uh, course. Could it be like an educational intimidate, like flexing the old <laughs> academic muscle? Uh, that's not a bad idea. We could do that. It would be at the same difficulty... You could try to reach whoever was going to perform it, could try to reach back into what they had heard about psychoanalysis, particularly free association, and you could get into that. And free association is the kind of like, uh, tell me how that made you feel, Mm. sort of basic pop psychology type stuff, only now it's the cutting edge. So uh, did Dr. Andrew, one of you guys want to, to try that? Uh, No, um, it'd be better if Monroe did the. I'll, I'll give a shot. Did the distracting because I don't have that skill. Um, yeah, I, I don't have psychoanalysis skill. Um, my charm isn't horrible, but uh, education would probably be my best bet. Yeah, but with the education one though, we would have to change it to a hard for Either that one to work. Hard education oh, or regular what, charm. I see what we're doing yeah. here. Okay, this is remember to give. You uh, get that bonus if you need to. Yeah. All right. So there's my still. I'll do the education roll hard. I'll I'll use three luck to to get give him his bonus. Okay. Well, you do have a bonus on it. Uh, I don't think we have to roll it though, Whitmire, because you could it could become a two instead of a twelve, but that's still just yeah. a, an I'll, extreme I'll success. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Whitmire. His reputation is correct. I mean, uh, you get the signal, you go to perform the action where you lapse into this. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll start just going into my theories on yeah 
Yeah, at every at every turn, you expect him to call call your bluff because you have no idea if anything what you're saying is is true. But you are an expert at word salad and and whatnot, <laughs> so he gets confused in what sounds correct. But then when you glance over your shoulder quickly, you see that Whitmire is gone. Now, for your part, Doctor Andrews, you are distinctly uncomfortable in these places because your sister yeah is in a place like this, and you have yet to visit one. That gives you a strong impression on their ability to cure your sister. However, this is all top of the line. And at least as you go through this first part of the wing, the patients do seem to be well cared for. But the tour continues on. As, and as you go, you see more and more disturbed female patients. And the sound of these areas changes where you hear you know, cries of terror or or mad ramblings and that sort of thing, or just a relentless banging, unspecified banging coming from one of the rooms. All the while, this Dr. Phelps is telling you some of the afflictions that these particular uh, patients have, you know. But uh, in your case, with Mr. Whitmire, you're in that front center part of the building. You saw that there was a stairwell next to the kitchen when he was showing off the kitchen and how they had these service tunnels and dumbwaiters that ran to all the different levels and down the wings. Uh, let's let's try a hard navigate roll to, you're kind of, all right, so you're five short. You do want to luck or push that roll? I don't have enough luck. Okay. Well, you... Push didn't work. <laughs> so now I'm lost now. Yeah, so you uh, wind up in a bathroom somewhere. Yeah, these service tunnels in a structure like this are actually kind of perplexing after a while. So you went down one and and out into an opening, and and the room you came out into sort of confused you. But there was a person in there, and they're like, "Can I help you? Are you supposed to be down here?" Well, the way that I'm presenting myself is that I belong here, right? And so, um, you know, if 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 they had given us any type of like visitor badge, I would have hidden it at that point or before and just rather walk around with nothing saying I forgot it, you know, but, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I will, uh, try a fast talk in that, uh, you know, a bit newer here is just transferred from, you know, another hospital that I, I have heard of at some point. And, uh, I'm trying to find the records room for, uh, and then I'll, you know, one of the doctors, right, as if I'd seen uh, any names in there. Um, if not, then I will use the name of the doctor that we're meeting. All right, go for it. Yeah, hold on. It did need that to be hard, though. Yeah, I forgot to switch it back. It would have been a success as uh, 63 versus 75. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he, uh, you can see his suspicion sort of fade, and uh, <laughs> you play it up pretty well, but... You do know that this now sets a timer for you yes. for when it will unravel. But that's like, why I'm asking direct. <laughs> like, I need to know exactly where it is so right. I can just hurry and get there. Yeah. He says, uh, yeah, well, you're you're on the wrong side. You need to uh, shoot down that service tunnel and you can't miss it. It's by the laundry down there. Uh, just a, just down that hallway where all the records rooms are. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll thank him. As I swear these places get 
the can, more confusing, the more sophisticated our sciences become. And then I'll turn around and leave. Well, hold on a sec. As I'll, I'll stop and uh, look at him questioningly. He says, can you run this upstairs for me? And he just hands you a piece of paper. Give it to the, the attendant at the front. Ah, uh, yes. And I'll uh, go ahead and take it. It just looks like an order for some sort of supplies, but then you, uh, you're able to shoot off and follow his directions, and you go past the, the loud banging and other sounds coming from the laundry to where this archive is, and there are multiple rooms. So this now comes down to a... Well, you got two options. You could roll out your luck and maybe just happen across something, or you could try a use library roll. To uh, narrow your search. I think the used library is going to be better than luck at this point. Okay. Uh, How'd you do? Horrible was, uh, 95 <laughs> versus 37. Okay. Not quite a fumble. Thinking you can luck it? <laughs> you could push it. Getting thrown push out of it. libraries is fun. Was, and know, you're already in a sanitarium. Because what Brother, do I got? Three choices here? Uh, you can push... Um, should have brought the dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> well, setting the place on fire is plan B, just Dude. so you're aware. Libraries always have secret rooms where they keep the good books. Johan yeah. knows this for a fact. All right, so what is the consequence to the push? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think of. Anybody got you any get ideas? Caught. Yeah, getting caught's one. You know, you, you just realize, as you always do when you enter a library, you're like, oh, I probably should have gotten better at this <laughs> or any archive you know uh usually in your past you just do the uh go into the archive and destroy everything because it doesn't really matter which could still work in this case the problem yeah, is there's again, multiple setting rooms. the place on fire is plan two or plan <laughs> yeah um so yeah we'll just have to go with you're you're pushing out the time so you're you know your the clock's ticking and you'll surely have that guy coming around asking a question for something that didn't make sense to him. But I'm going to pause you right there before you make that push roll. Okay. Since it'll be a little bit of a time jump for you to do it. And we'll go back to the other group as you guys have concluded your tour of the women's wing and are now walking back towards where all the men are housed. And again, the ones with the most promising signs of recovery are stored closest to the center and you make your way down to the far end where you know that Wallace Bowers is stored and kept. And so far, Monroe and Dr. Andrews have kept up correct appearances. Same with McCracken, who's quite at home filling his role as valet. Yeah, I'm walking at the very tail end of everyone. Yeah. Now, Dr. Andrews and uh, Mr. Monroe, what is your interest with, with young Mr. Bowers? He hasn't been with us for a very long time, but... Uh, is there something particular that you think that that this free association would work exceptionally well on this young man? Well, I heard that he has, uh, in some of his ramblings, mentioned occult or uh, mystical undertakings. Yes. Um, this has particularly sparked my curiosity. Uh, as I have mentioned in my, and I'll kind of go into my, my dream theory, uh, I, I begin to wonder if there's some part of the primitive mind that latches on to that in dreams as well as in in psychosis and and so part of my research is to find these people that have these kinds of speaking patterns and and uh try and find a common thread through them to see if there is 
any part of the id or the super id that, uh, <laughs> you know, just super kind of roll through every single one of my Freudian terms. That's, uh, <laughs> that's very fascinating. I, uh, fascinating. I, I, uh, do have a couple things to attend to while you guys do speak with him. Well, while you speak with him, it would be, it's such a pity that I can't watch you work to see a descendant as it were of Freud, uh, work his magic. <laughs> um, I, I, I do have to ask, uh, just for our safety's sake, is, is he um, violent in any way, shape, or form? Is he properly restrained? or um, He is we sh- restrained. We're going to keep him at the table, and you will stay behind the bars to his room. But uh, we can fix him upright, and you will be able to speak with him if he does, in fact, even acknowledge that you are there. He's never intended to harm anyone but i think he is always trying to escape and he has taken violent action against those who have gotten in his way uh broke the nose of one of our what do you call those guys i forget orderlies orderlies Orderlies. yeah Yeah. uh after you see we had him in the convalescence wing when he first arrived thinking it was just some temporary fugue but we were mistaken well, thank you for the information. If he becomes violent, I'll make sure to just simply get out of his way. And as you'll see, there's a orderlies here, here, and here. Just signal to one of them if you have any issue. Very well. So they set up uh, this route. You go into an antechamber before, like at the bard, and uh, there's bars, and then there's the padded room beyond it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have him strapped to a gurney, which has some mechanism on it that can elevate him to a standing position and he's sort of sitting there writhing around in it and snapping at the air and mumbling uh, something to himself but you guys are left alone for the moment and this wouldn't be a Lovecraft story if we didn't get a block text of (laughs) mad narration so this is what you guys would hear before you even tried to speak with him he says something like all life is an illusion A trick of light and gravity and perception. The end is like the beginning, past, present, and future. All are one, and one is all. He is the key, and the gate, and he knows when the old ones broke through, and when they shall break through again. Our existence is a mere experiment or joke. How weak can a creature be and still be tapped into that great chaotic consciousness at the center of all? We are the answer to that question, but we see with the dimmest of vision. There are phases and angles that intersect with our reality, but we cannot see them, except my eye has been opened above and below, without and within, to one side or another, all sides and inside they float, strange and unknown radiata that defy description, they feed on us, they would not be here if we were not here, like some rotting corpse in the forest, drawing out all the carrion eaters, they are eating, but God, what are they eating? God, they are all over me, and all over you, too. And his eyes fix on you for a moment, just brief, and then he lapses back into mad ramblings. Can you make heads or tails of this? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are certain phrases that, that uh, seem to almost make sense, but I can't quite put my finger on what exactly all of them together would mean. Uh, right. Are we alone in the... Yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I'll, I'll mention, you know, this concept of, like, the um, Zagua and and uh, 
being outside of time and how he might be <laughs> trying to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That elementary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like watching Brandon's expressions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, the idea was we would, uh, convince him to write a confession. Uh, writing a confession might be difficult. Um, no way. Insane people write whole books in this universe. <laughs> but I'm not sure. If I thought he already give... had confessed. He confessed yeah. to Dr. We Call, were... oh, which okay. would, uh, I mean, Dr. Call would of course be a witness to that, which would count in a court of law. It's just not as strong as if he had written it in his own hand, because after all, they uh, the prosecution will, you know, they can bring somebody to, yeah, just say it's hearsay or uh, yeah, something like that. So I guess I'll I'll take the notebook that I have and start writing out what he's saying. Like, well, write out what he's saying, but I also want to start penning out a confession. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for him to sign. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, you're writing down what he's saying and, and some of the other stuff he goes into, he, he talks about how he led the ritual. No, Murrow led the ritual. No, Murrow led the ritual. No, Bishop led the ritual. No, there was an old man there. He was the one behind everything. And then on and on. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I guess we'll try and steer him in a way towards his participation. Okay. Well, let's... um. There's a few different ways we can do this. The most appropriate skill is the psychoanalysis skill, which you can kind of, even if somebody's in like a temporary bout of madness, somebody who's well-trained in that can break them out of it to a degree. So that's what would happen here. But uh, I'm not sure any of you are trained in that. So we can leave it to any of the social skills. It would just be at a harder difficulty. Yeah, I was uh, thinking that we could try to persuade him that Zathagua, who, who is it that, is that who they, this, um, this, their thing was about? That's what the lizard people is about. The Porcellians, they, it was the watcher in the darkness, right? That they, that their uh, stuff had yeah. continually talked about. Well, there's a lot of unreliable sources, so they, they will have conflicting names that could be the same person. You guys yeah. are not sure. Yeah. Well, Watcher in the Darkness is good. I was thinking we could just try to convince him that that's who we work for and that he wants him to confess. And having the uh, the hair, whatever it is, from the Dark Hunter might help us in that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll... And that, um, you know, the evil lead in the paint won't let him talk to him in here, <laughs> so he had to send us. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he... He understands a little bit about, well, no, he might not, but time dimensions and whatnot. Right. And having to summon. But said, has the Dark Hunter attacked you in lead-based paint <laughs> rooms? <laughs> and it's like yeah. maybe uh, the the reward, um, because so many people are taking credit for it, the reward can't be dispensed. And so if he, mm-hmm. if he does this confession thing, then he'll receive you know, whatever it is that they're supposed to get <laughs> everlasting life, gold coins, and freedom, of course, freedom. Free, yeah. Freedom. And, uh, you know, and then all uh, you, all you can eat clam chowder. <laughs> That's a good Boston. deal. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 
appealing as agents of the Haunter in the Dark. Was that what you guys were going with? The Hunter in the Dark or, yeah, or, or the, watcher watcher in the, the dark. Dark. Watcher in the Dark? Okay. Yeah, then he immediately launches into questions, you know, like, is it true? All of time is an illusion. And he, that he desperately wants answers to, and uh, it will take a skill roll. So yeah. which do you favor? What Who's going to do it? I have a 77 Persuade. What do you got? I got a 70 Persuade or a 50 Psychology. All right, so I'll just try to persuade, and you can, like, make motions that give me a bonus. Oh, we know how to persuade. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound all right? Baba da boopy. Why don't you give your occult role to back him up as to appear, all right. uh, you know, as something mystical, right? Okay. Uh, hard or regular on that one? Uh, we'll do a regular for yours. And what about mine? You'll get a bonus if he's... I got hard anyway. Okay. So, yeah, you would get a bonus on your persuade. A regular persuade? Yes. No, hard persuade, but with... Or no... Sorry, we don't give you a bonus if it's hard. We're going to take you to regular, so you're good. Okay. Uh, all right, so we'll pause there on your success. As we know, Persuade takes a certain amount of time to return back to Mr. Whitmire, who's going to push his used library role. So may I have that role now, Mr. Whitmire? Oh, oh ho, ho, ho. always push. <laughs> always push. 37. All right, so you get a sense of it. As I said, you are most often destroying paperwork so you don't have to find the specific thing. But here you're trying to find the specific thing and you figure out how their filing system works and you have the uh, paper in your hand, which is just the admittance paperwork for Wallace Bowers. Uh, as far as you can tell, that's the only thing that they have here to say when he was committed. And without this, it would fall to a much less convincing piece of evidence to say the date he was committed, but it is in your hand, and that's when you hear an alarm go up in the building. Mr. McCracken, would you give me a spot hidden roll or a listen? Can I uh, turn the whisper off, or do you want me to keep it on as a... Oh, uh, no, I didn't know it was still on. I, I usually just turn it on when I'm messing around in between sessions, mm. so I don't... Spot hidden or... Or listen. Listen. Let's see which one's higher here. Oh. <laughs> it's because i can't talk that i can listen so well yeah yeah, yeah i got the super cool success dude it makes me so sad that you don't have him with a higher fast talk what is this fat that would Five. be funny <laughs> but, but here, just, scribble 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 <laughs> okay so you hear uh a mumbling you know like from a I don't know. At first you think it might be a patient in another room. It's coming from somewhere distant, but then your ear kind of pricks up and you you pick out that Latin as being spoken, but at a low level and in a rapid whisper. And uh, it draws your attention out of the cell you're in where you look across this hall to other cells and you see, you wouldn't have caught it so soon, but you see a kind of bending of the bars, like a trick of the light. Like they're, Like something's causing them to bend and shimmer a little bit. And then you see black points form and begin to expand. Have I seen something like this before? Yes, you right. have. In the basement of the University of Massachusetts okay. and at yeah, Whitmire's um, safe house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the next sound that happens is the sound of two hammers cocking <laughs> back on the shotgun. <laughs> okay. Unlike those other times, this is multiple such points. Oh, and the whole of the that one side of the wall seems to turn into a big portal, portal where all the 
the surrounding it is like warped and stretched. Can and I make noise? Like I know I can't talk, but does yeah, he, yeah. So I'll <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> so you hear this alarmed exhalation of breath behind you. All right, and the cocking of the shotgun. <laughs> yeah, the the cocking of the shotgun would probably draw my attention. So you see several of these dark hunters step out just in time, just as you guys turn. Uh, and you also see a young, ill-tempered looking man. But there's something not quite right about him when he steps out. And it takes a moment for you to notice that his body is in like a state of flux. Like he's constantly morphing at various ages. Uh, at times he'll appear old and then young. His You get different genetic expressions, you know, slightly different hair colors or eye colors. Uh, furthermore, he's sort of fuzzy at the edge, like a smudged watercolor. And it has a disconcerting effect on you apart from the Dark Hunters. But that is where we'll have to end today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Travis. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for playing, guys. Uh, welcome back, Chris, to the table. Thank you. <laughs> Glad I, we could it's send. Good to have you back. Glad you could all be there for my ascension. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Thank <laughs> you.